Live from Pacific Junction Hotel, Girth Radio in session. Ready? Mm-hmm. We're going. This is episode number eight of Welcome. My name is Kareem Kanji. Thanks for joining me today. Today, my guest is one half of the duo Two Left Feet and the founder and namesake of the popular Uncle Neil and Friends annual Toy Mountain show. Please welcome Uncle Neil Hayden. Where's the fanfare? <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Thanks for coming in. <laughs> How are you doing? You. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. How are you doing these days? If I was any better, I'd be you. I've never been that good, though, but I'm striving. No. There you go. Enjoying summer? Absolutely. Nice. Um, now, for those, actually nobody knows, that uh, we actually know each other from scouts. Yes. Or, or cubs. cubs. Or beavers. Or beavers, yeah. That's right. The kids were in beavers together. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Neil's son, son, sons? Both, yeah. Both of your, your boys and uh, my little guy. Uh, were in uh, in beavers together, and now they're in cubs, yeah. and uh, soon they'll be grown men. You've had to suffer for me with it a long time. Asking asking for money, yes. <laughs> that was back in the days when I was borrowing DVDs <laughs> from you before I discovered or became not cheap and started paying for Netflix. Yeah, you only born for like eight months That's late right. rental fee. <laughs> <laughs> you got Lord of the Rings 1, 2, and 3? Yeah. Did I borrow those from you? Yes, you I did. did. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. It if wasn't I actually, eight months. It was the full year. It and was and the and full. <laughs> it was all summer long. I just I, I had them. I had something. They're that long anyway to watch. It, it, it does take a while. It does take a while. Um, now you obviously I introduced you as uh, uh, the duo Two Left Feet. That's mm-hmm. a, a band, and you also do an annual show, uh, an annual concert, raising raising money and presents, and, and we'll talk about that at length. Okay, uh, as well. I guess uh, nodding my head doesn't work, and yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but you've been in music for a while. How how long is I've been, you been playing, playing since I was thirteen, I believe. Yeah, that's when I first started. That's when you first started. That was when I first picked up the guitar. My dad showed me three chords, sent me on my way, and takes great pride in telling everybody now. I taught him everything he knows. Now, were you interested in music before you were thirteen? No, uh, I just you know I believe with music as well as anything you're doing live, entertaining, telling jokes or whatnot. Um, you can't teach confidence. It's either learned or it's just felt. And on October 1st, 1983, I went over to Handlebars my bike and smashed my face up really bad. Uh, I was in a hospital for a very long time. Um, How old were you then? I was uh, 11 years old. Okay. Um, and years of doctor's appointments, so damage that still affects me, things I can do, can't do today. Mm-hmm. Um, so that year coming back, you know, I had a lot of scarring on my face and whatnot. Kids are cruel. Sure. So I was always the kid who told jokes and, you know, had a good time and everything. And for that year, I went right into a bubble. I was didn't want to talk to him. I didn't want to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And the following year, July 1st, Canada Day over at Stan Wadlow Park, they have this thing where just before the fireworks come on, they put on a talent show. Yeah, kids get up play little drum solos. Girls twirl ballerina sticks and everything. Well, the two kids that got up before me were telling jokes, and they bombed, and they got heckled and booed and mm. everything. And these were cute little girls in tutus and stuff. And they like had that, adults right? booing them. Yes, it must have been about six thousand people in the crowd. The, uh, the stage was in the middle of the crowd, so yeah. you were surrounded. And where's where's this park? Stan Wadlow Park. It's at Cosburn or O'Connor, mm. right behind the East York Arena. And uh, I turned to my dad and said, I'm not, I'm not going up there. So they so called like my name, Neil Hayden, to the adults, stage. Adults can be cruel, too. And, uh, yeah. I, I didn't want to go up. My dad said, look, sure. you know, go on up. I said, Dad, I want to go up. So they called me two or three times said, last call. Okay, no problem. So my dad takes me aside and he says to me, words I'll never forget. You're 11 years old. 11. No, I was 12 at this point. 12 now. Okay. And my dad says to me, you know what? You'll never see most of these people ever again. Don't do it because I want you to do it. Do it because you want to have a good time. And that's it. 
And hmm. they called me one more time after everybody else had got up. They called me one more time. I yeah. got up. I told my first one or two kid jokes. Not funny, but kid yeah, jokes. Yeah. And I got my first two heckles. Oh, we waited for this. Come on, kids. Say something funny. Now, these are people that have waited all day for the fireworks that are coming on any minute, right? So I froze. I forgot all my jokes, everything like that. And I did something. To this day, I still don't know how I did I said this in the microphone. I'll continue when everybody in the park is quiet. And my nice. father's running his thumb across his throat like, no, just stop. Get off the stage. And the funny thing was, everybody went quiet. The jokes came back to me. I told them and uh, got off stage. My dad put me on his shoulder. He went over to the ice cream truck. And then some guy came over to us at the ice cream truck and said, um, kid, you got to get back up there. You won first place. So the judges announced that the confidence I had and the, nice. and the cojones that I had. Yeah. And it's affecting me. When I get up on stage now, yeah. I can get up on stage with a band that's been playing for three sets. And they're going. They're full fire, ready to go. And I get up on stage with them. And it's not brag. It's because I, I don't fear anything like that. Mm-hmm. And I thrive on it. I love when... I get to do a situation like that. So that was my first gig. That was your first gig. <laughs> 12 years old. 12 years old. <laughs> and then the next year you started playing the guitar. Yeah, around there, yeah. Wow. And was your father a musician or? No, my dad My dad knew a half dozen chords. He could play around a campfire and whatnot. But yeah. yeah. There was always singing in my house. My mom would be singing Mamas and Papas in one room. My dad would be singing Elton John. The other, my brother downstairs. Like with the records playing or yeah, the radio playing? absolutely. Screaming out loud to ACDC and Van Halen. Yeah. So I, I came from a very eclectic background. I like the harmonies of the Mamas and the Papas, but I like yeah. the rocking guitars of Van Halen. Okay. What, what sort of uh, music were you listening to at that at that stage? Was it just whatever your parents were? Uh, I listened to everything from ACDC, Van Halen. Queen was a big... Uh, Freddie Mercury was my, yeah. my hero growing up. Mm-hmm. You know, a guy with that much talent and stage presence. Yeah. But yeah, I listened to everything from Twisted Sister. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm kind of embarrassed about that. But, you know, that, I listen to everything. You know, I believe you take everything that you listen to musically, you put it in a stew pot. Yeah. What you mix it up and bring it out is yours. Wow. So... Um, so your parents didn't play. I mean, your dad played a few chords around the campfire. My mom can play the squeeze box, but once again, never, okay. never in front of people. You know, interesting. I Who? do have an uncle who's kind of famous, Cyril Way. He was like, uh, Cyr- he was around Cyril Way in Round Midnight. Then it was Cyril Way in the Working Class Heroes, and he used to be very popular in the Toronto country scene. Okay, and he's still out there doing it. Still out there playing at. I think he's seventy-one now. Wow. Yes, but we, I had no influence on him. I never saw him. Interesting. Yeah. So your dad teaches you a few chords. Yep. 13, 14 years old. What sort of, what's the sort of the progression? So At was that it, time. So it was always guitar, I'm assuming, because you, you bought a guitar in today. I, uh, I can play drums, guitar, bass, piano. Um, I used to play trumpet, saxophone, tuba. I won awards for tuba, believe it or not. Um, I tried everything, but guitar was my main passion and singing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my dad taught me a few chords and... As any kid that age, I didn't want to learn acoustic guitar. I wanted to rock guitar and get chicks. Yeah. So it took me almost six months to a year before I developed a passion for it. And a friend of mine named Tommy Joseph said to me, one day you're going to fall in love with the guitar and you won't be able to put it down. And he was true. I couldn't wait to get home from school to play guitar. And it was my best friend growing up. I could sit on the edge of my bed and beat the hell out of it if I was mad or it could sing softly to me if I was happy. Were you self-taught? Did you learn it Absolutely. by yourself? Absolutely. Wow. I, the only time I ever sat down with a teacher was the guitar teacher at East York Collegiate where I went. Mm-hmm. Um, he would, after class, he'd sit in a class and play. And he saw me standing there watching him one time. He invited me in, and we used to just jam out. And that was the closest I ever came to a teacher. Wow. But I learned from watching. Yeah? Going out, sitting around with bazooki players and, and country players and rock and roll players. It's just like a conversation. You can learn more if you just shut up and listen. So you just go to bars? At- Absolutely. And like campfires and parties and stuff like that. And you would just take your guitar everywhere you went? It was always on my shoulder. 
even you know, though even though you didn't really know how to play, you just carry it with you. I would you go had that places. Confidence, I guess, right? Absolutely, I'd go places, and people would say, you know, let me show you how to do this. Oh, you're do that's cool, but why don't you try this? Yeah, and I would just suck it up like a sponge. So how did you get? How did you start playing like the piano and the tuba and the bass? Like I, about drums? sixteen, seventeen, I got thirsty for it. Okay, I started to get hungry for what can I do. Mm-hmm. And uh, somebody, I don't know who, told me, if you've learned guitar, learn uh, piano at the same time because one transitions to the other. I didn't have a piano. So yeah. I'd go somewhere and I'd try to figure out chords. I don't even play them properly, but I can play a dozen songs or so. But yeah, just guitar was my best friend. So even piano was self-taught? Absolutely. All the other instruments Bass, as well? Bass, drums. It's all relative to time, too, with drums. You know, you sit and you tap your knee or you tap your toe. Yeah. Anybody who can tap their toe can eventually learn something musical. Tap their toe. Tap a drum, bass pedal. Yeah. T- keep a tap with your fingers. Mm-hmm. So I just everything was related to time: the bass, the drums, guitar. I saw a video of your son playing drums. Yeah, my uh, my one son. He's he's gone to lessons and he's he's almost better than I am. That was now. a concert he was doing, right? Yeah, a little concert. Yeah, yeah, he did a. It was a. He goes to Lippert School of Music and they teach for a oh, full wow. year. Okay. And at the end of the school year, they all put on a little performance. Some kids play violin and they play. Uh, 4A and E minor or something like that. Yeah. Well, he got to compose his own. That was all written by him. No way. Yep. The drum, the drum teacher sat down. Said so he, your son can write music. Can you write music? Yes. So you can. So you learned that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was, you know, picking up guitar magazines enough and there would be tablature inside. I don't know if you know what tablature is. No. It's kind of like sheet music, but it'll tell you that you put your fingers here, you bend oh, the string here. Okay. So I started learning from that and then I started discovering, wow, I can transpose what I've written onto a page. But, uh, yeah, I did. I took trumpet and trombone and tuba in school. Okay. So I learned so the note learned read from there. Okay. And is, is it the same with... It is. It's absolutely, absolutely the same. Okay. Five lines, four spaces. But the thing is, I stopped writing... I start, stopped using music or reading tablature because I started writing my own songs. Okay. And if I couldn't listen to a radio and pick up a Led Zeppelin song, then I just shouldn't be playing it anyway. Interesting. So I started writing my own songs. Yeah. Why do I have to learn notes for that? So it's like a bike I could probably go back to, but I haven't written tablature or note music in 10 years. Wow. I've written about eight CDs worth of music, though. Okay. <laughs> now, did you sort of, how old were you when you started writing your own stuff? Uh, about 17, 18, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it was all, my girl has left me and <laughs> times are hard and all those 17-year-old blues, you know? Yeah. At the start, I started taking songs. I'd use like a, a Stairway to Heaven, and I'd use exactly chords with my lyrics. Okay. Uh, Moody Blues, uh, Nights in White Satin, My Friend Named Jim, you know? Yeah. And that's how I, I decided, you know, I, c- I can make my own music. I just got to figure it out for myself. Did you record anything? I did. Nothing I anyone will ever hear. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, but back then, uh, my mom has a tape of me singing at five. Uh, uh, singing along the Queen records they had. Wow. And uh, Rhinestone Cowboy. And I think the Dukes of Hazard were on TV, so I sing the Dukes of Hazard theme. Yeah. And it's weird to hear it. It sounds just like my son singing. Wow. It's creepy. Cool, but creepy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I need you to make out with that mic, eh? So when you. Am I getting too far back Every, and forth? Everyone's going to start complaining. I can't hear the guy. That's Is this better? That's <laughs> Get that other guy out of, this, out of the studio. I swear, I just usually have a big, too big a mouth. Yes. <laughs> That's what she said. All right. Oh, s- wow. Did you, so 
You're within striking distance. You know that, right? Yeah. <laughs> Did you end up uh, like playing with any bands, playing any gigs, like in bars or anything like that, as you were growing up? I started hanging around with musicians, and okay. they'd be doing something. And I'd go check them out in their studio before they go on stage, and they'd say, hey, "Come sing a couple of songs with us." No way. And then when they'd be playing live, yeah. I'd get invited up on stage, and it was it was earth shattering for me. It was like all of a sudden, this whole world opened up for me. I can take something I feel so strong about and like music's universal language and yeah. I can share it with all these people and I look out and my drug, I've never done drugs, my drug is seeing smiles on people's faces that yeah. I've done. Yeah. I, I'm having a good time wanting to have a good time with me. Yeah. If there's a guy in the front row with his arms crossed looking at you like, yeah. you're not going to impress me. I'm going to kick you. <laughs> you're going to get it. You're going to get it. Nice. So that was my, that's always been my drug. Yeah. Who'd you? Anyone notable that you that you played with? Whether it's notable for you or, or people that uh, met Jeff Healy a couple of times. Yeah. Um, Did you ever get to play with him? It's my my biggest musical regret ever. His wife uh, came up to me after I'd met him the second time and said, "Jeff wants you to go up on stage and do a couple of songs with him," and I chickened out. Oh man! I, I, my biggest regret because it was only about three years later that he passed or something like that. Yeah. But what it was is he was such an icon for me growing up. For sure, I, w- I looked at him like most people looked at Bruce Lee of their icon, well, like sure, of sure. their era, and it was like there'll never be another Bruce Lee, there'll never be another Jeff Healy. So I watched him, not like he was another musician. I just couldn't take my eyes off him when I watched yeah. him play. Um, Rick Emmett, well, I didn't get a chance to get him play with him, but what a what a great guy. So I've met probably twenty, thirty musicians, but those are the two Canadian icons that really just grabbed you by the boo boo. I, re- I remember you 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 telling me a story about. Jeff Healy. I don't know if it was the first time you met him or you met him and he said something about his wife. Oh, yeah. He had a great sense of humor. Yeah. Um, the first time he walked by me, I was in his bar, Healy's, uh, the first Jeff Healy's bar, and he walked by and I was kind of like, oh my God, there's Jeff Healy. So your natural reaction when he walks by is, go, oh my God, Jeff Healy, how you doing? But you can't do that to a blind guy because you scared the shit out of him. Yeah. Right? Um, so his wife saw me just staring at him, right? Yeah. And I mean, she was a, she's a beautiful lady. Uh, Christy, I think her name is, if I remember correctly. And she came up to me. She said, do you want to meet him? I said, oh, my God, do I? So she brought me over to him and said, uh, hi, this is my, my husband, Jeff. Jeff, this is Neil. And he talked like this, man, and really quiet. And, you know, and he looks at me and says, I got a question to ask you. I said, yeah, ask me away. He says, does my wife look hot tonight? Because I can't tell. I said, oh, I didn't know what to say. Like, is he pulling my chain? I said, she's, she's lovely. She's beautiful. She gives him a little slap on the arm. She says, Jeff. And he goes, what about her boobs? How are her boobs? And then I knew, noticed he was messing with me, but just that kind of guy, you know, <laughs> just one of those kinds of guys. I felt better for having met after I left them. Yeah. What, what was it about his, his playing that really attracted you? Not only because he was playing it completely different than everybody else across his lap like that. Yeah. Not even the fact that he was blind. It was the fact that he was doing things that nobody else had done. Okay. Um, the guitar can only be played so... When Jimi Hendrix came along, he turned guitar playing on its head. It was like, oh my God, distortion and whammy bars. Mm-hmm. And then you got a guy like you know, Eddie Van Halen who comes around 20 years later, and he turns it on with finger tapping and false harmonics and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Jeff Healy was doing something nobody else was doing. And I remember seeing him um, one time, and he was playing with his left thumb. And he was pitch-bending notes that I can't pitch with three fingers on my left hand. What does that mean? It means grabbing a string and just pushing it up. So it goes, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I was watching him do it. And I'm like, how does he know where to go to? I always have to look at the neck and cheat. Yeah. And the very first, t- very first time I ever heard Jeff Healy, a buddy of mine played uh, his song. Uh, 
Confidence Man or Sea Delight, I can't remember. Okay. And he played it to me, and I said, who's this? And he said, I'm not going to tell you. I listened to the whole song. I said, holy crap, that guy's good. Who was that? He said, Jeff Yell. I said, never heard of him. Mm. He said, plus he's blind. Now, if he had told me first, yeah. I would have gone, oh, he's good for a blind guy. I yeah. would have already had that in my head. Yeah. But I watched it. I said, this guy's blind? So when I saw him play, yeah. he just... If I watch you play, I could kind of figure out what you're doing and either follow along or copy you. Sure. I could. It was just mind-blowing. It was like watching someone play the piano while standing on their head juggling. You know what I mean? Hmm. So my admiration for him, and he never talked anybody down. So his, his personality was huge there, too. Yeah. Do you, I don't I, I remember him. I, mean, I remember his, his hits, Angel Eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, can you see the light? Can you see the light? And, and then his uh, Beatles... Um, while my guitar that, gently weeps. That I I I had never heard the Beatles version, um, and but that is my favorite version. Really, of yeah. the song. Yeah, his ver- It's just amazing. It it takes a lot of guts to take a song that's written by the Beatles. Yeah, and the guy who's playing lead on that song is Eric Clapton. Right. Okay. You didn't know that? No. So Eric Clapton originally. Plays on, yeah, on the Beatles song. Okay. And it's doing at the time the first one ever to kind of. Do a weeping guitar, the the wow wow like a sad song of the guitar. The guitars telling the story of the lyrics. Yeah, and to come along with the balls to come along and say I'm going to do that song. One of the most famous guitar players in the world, with the famous band in the world. And he called up George Harrison, and he said to George Harrison, "Do you mind if I do the song?" George says, "Fine, send me the tapes. I'd love to hear it." Okay. He sent it to George Harrison. George Harrison sings the background on it. Will I look at you? No. All? And they became friends. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he had the stones to do it. And I don't think anyone else could have gotten away with it. Yeah. Because he was playing and people were just like, wow, it's just phenomenal. That's amazing. That's really, really good. And you met Rick Emmett? Yes. Yeah. Any any Rick Emmett stories? <laughs> I grew up on Rick Emmett. Uh, watching him do what he does. I mean, I think Rick Emmett comes from another planet mm-hmm. where everybody has six fingers and they play guitar. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he was born out of the womb with a guitar in his hand. He seems like an extension of his arm. He's that good. Yeah. So I grew up on him, and the first time I went to see him, I was, uh, I can't remember where it was. I went to see him play, and he walked past me in the crowd. So as a fanboy, a young fanboy, I was like, oh my God, Rick, it's so nice to see you. you uh huh. And he walked by me. <laughs> so I was like, oh, well, maybe he's not feeling well. Mm-hmm. Then a friend of mine and I went to see him about four or five years later at a club out in Oshawa. And he did a show, and I was front and center. And every song he was singing, I was singing along with him. He'd stare at me. He's looking at me like, this guy's singing my songs, right? And when he got off stage, I waited for him. I just wanted to you know, say, you know, you're such an inspiration to me and everything. He came out, and once again, I said, hey, Rick, come on. He stuck my hand out. He went, thanks a lot. And he walked by me again. I thought, what an, what a jerk. You know, I just, just wanted to tell him how great he was. Yeah. Well, a friend of mine worked at a place called St. John's Music, and he said, he's coming to do a clinic. Do you want to come meet him? I said, oh, absolutely. So we went to go see him, and he was sick. He couldn't come. So a week later, we go to see him. My friend lets me in early. Rick Emmett's already in there. So I go in, and this is just mind-blowing. I go in, and I say to him, look, I've met you twice before. He says, I know. You met me at La Scratch out in Oshawa, and you, I blew you off. It was Healy's. I bet you I blew you off at Healy's. I said, how do you remember that? He said, I never forget a face or anything like that. I said, yeah, well, I just want to tell you, man, you, you'd be such a huge influence. He said, I want to talk about me. Tell me about you. What kind of guitars do you play? So I started naming off my guitar. He said, yeah. who are your influences? I said, you. Are you <laughs> kidding me? We talked for about 30 minutes before the doors opened. And nice. People came in to watch him play. And we'd played the same clubs. He'd seen my posters on some of the clubs he's played. He's seen our posters hanging there. Okay. We talked about a benefit he played for a guy we both knew that had cancer and passed. Yeah. And he walked out and he said, the reason I don't shake people's hands, it's my living. 
and you get these drunk idiots that come up to ah. squeeze your hand, and then I can't play. He said, and after, if you ever notice, well, after a show, they turn the DJ music really loud. He said, I sing really high, really almost on the edge of falsetto. So when I come out and I got to shout over a loud stereo system, yeah. I blow my voice out. So it's just a way I say, I greet people and I move on. Interesting. I was like, but he, the guy spent so much time talking to me. He was such a wonderful man. Yeah, right. I, uh, I met Randy Backman once. Oh, yeah? At a, um, he had just written one of, his, one of his books. And so he was giving a talk. And then Was this Fat Bachman or a skinny one? <laughs> Recent one, two years ago one. Oh, so he's in good shape now. He's, a, he's decent, yeah. decent shape, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so he told the same story on he broke his hand once shaking someone's hand. Really? So he doesn't shake hands anymore. He just, you know, fist bump. Yeah. So obviously when we go up, we sign the book. What do I do? You shook his hand. I shook his hand. <laughs> and so he, he said, you're not a musician, he are sh- you? <laughs> he, shook, he shook my hand, and it was only until after I go, no, I shook. I, I'm not supposed to shake his hand. I felt so bad afterwards. But I've got a signed book by him, and but he's got some great stories. Yeah, um, as well. Um, h- how did so you, you you talk about you and Rick Emmett playing the same clubs mm-hmm. and stuff? Was that when you were? Uh, is that with Two Left Feet or? No, that was when I was with a band called Under the Covers. Okay, and we used to do all Aerosmith, Zeppelin, Van Halen, and the band, the guys I was playing with, probably the best musicians I've ever played with. Um, so you don't like, you're like a what do they call it cover band? Yeah, kind of yeah. like that. But we we played a couple of originals, but it was mostly nobody was doing the songs we were doing. Okay. Um, you've seen me. The people on the your podcast don't notice, but I, I jump off a, off a bar six feet in the air, split scissor, David Lee Roth kicks, and you know run around the bar. My wireless. You never know where it's going to come. Yeah. Um, but our live show, no matter how good or bad the band was, our live show was something to behold. Mm-hmm. And we'd be coolest thing would be we'd be between sets and see people on their phone saying you got to get out here and check this band out wow and by the second set all the bars we were playing were full nice and it was it was a real high i used yeah. to go home one of the guys in the band would have his drinks the other guy would have his whatever he had i never touched anything and i went home stoned high on love and rock and roll yeah it was great and it was this your first band that you played my first one that we in 2005 we played 260 gigs we were doing double shows, two on a uh, two on a Saturday, two on a Sunday, an afternoon and an evening gig. There was one point in June of that year, I think we played every day except two days. Holy mackerel! So yeah, I played a lot of bands up to then, but nothing like that. Is this like a full time gig? Is it, it was this? I I gigged for a year as a working musician. Okay. But the problem is, it's too hard on. It's too hard to maintain. Because what we were doing is people hear that I can sing loud or scream high, and you got to do that all the time. All the time. And it's it's like a sprinter. He can't sprint everywhere. Yeah. So I'm not saying I'm too old to do that stuff. I just, I can't do 200. You got to pick your here. spots now. I'm almost as old as you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, when when did, um, what was your, your other bands after that? Um, Murphy's Law. God, it was a whole bunch. Two Left Feet. I still play with Two Left Feet quite a bit, Mark yeah. and I. Um Probably the best guitar player I've ever played with. When did you meet Mark? Um, what's sorry, Mark? What's Mark's full name? Uh, Mark Caruana. Okay. He, uh, him, and his wife came to see Under the Covers, and he was blown away by our singer. Uh, singer, that's me. That would be you. <laughs> he was blown away, man. I'll tell you. No, he loved our guitar player. Yeah. And uh, he just really liked the show I put on. They came back one night, and apparently, I like I, I greeted him and I made him feel, feel so comfortable. He never went to, to, to bars. He came back a third time, him and his wife. Yeah. And it just made him feel so comfortable with that. And, and we became friends like immediately. And uh, it wasn't until about two, three years later, I was playing with another guy in Two Left Feet. Yeah. And he jumped ship. And I said to Mark, you got to get out and playing with me. 
And Mark's first gig with me, he wouldn't go near a microphone. Scared as a rabbit. To sing. Yeah, and yeah, I'd give him a solo. No, I don't want you to play the solo. I'll just stand here and strum. Now he doesn't even realize how good he is. It's been five years now or something like that. and That you've been playing together. Yeah, and he's doing lead vocals, and he's doing almost every guitar solo. Yeah. And phenomenal. He does stuff like Red House, and I, I, I look at him on stage and forget to come back in. Because I'm watching him. <laughs> but just probably the best friend a guy could ever hope for. Yeah. So I've been very lucky. What sort of gigs have you played with him with Two Left Feet? We've done everything from uh, weddings. We've done two or three weddings. Yeah. We've done beach parties. We, we You name it, we've done it. There's yeah. nothing we haven't done. Yeah. Awesome. Krim, yeah, for those like, listening, Crim's giving me a look right now because my phone, phone went is off. on. <laughs> You didn't. You didn't read the the instructions I sent you. Yeah, um, they were in, they were in uh, Russian. So, do you do you still play gigs now? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Not as often as I said as I used to. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's still my drug. It's still my high. Mm-hmm. So, uh, as often as I can. Okay. But with two nine year old boys. Yeah. Know, I got remarried in two years ago. We need to get her oh. five. She's a wonderful lady. Very, she's a beautiful lady, my wife, Elizabeth. Yeah. yeah. Um, support. If I wanted to go out and gig full-time right now, she'd be like, whatever makes you happy. Wow. And uh, yeah, she can sing. She plays the cello. She plays the flute, the violin, the piano, the guitar. Oh, wow. And I didn't know that when I met her. Okay. She's more talented than me. <laughs> was she, was she, uh, she hanging around the bars listening? Or? No. Um, we lived in the same building. Okay. Um, my superintendent had thrown a potluck for Christmas one year. And okay. it was... It was just it was two days after Toy Mountain, so I'd seen her go back and forth in the lobby a bunch of I don't know if you want the story but a bunch of times go back in the lobby and I pretty much stalked her like checking this girl out, <laughs> and then when they had the potluck they made you sign up on the board who's going to bring chips who's yeah. going to bring dip and everything that, so I didn't know but she kept checking to see if my name was there see if I was going to go because she was interested in me, and so we met. This is in the when lobby. you had like your long rocker hair. No, I had just cut it off. Okay, so she didn't even know I was a musician. Oh wow. And uh, I didn't know until a month after we were together that she was a musician. I oh. found her keyboard. I said, you play it? She goes, eh, sometimes. And then one day I was, I was in the other room and I heard Furry Lee. Oh, wow. And Bach and, and Trichowski and everything. I was like, "Who is that a radio? And I come out, she's playing. I said, what? you got an acoustic guitar? Play me something. Oh, I can't play. And then she starts finger picking with these long nails on her. I'm like, oh, I hate this girl. <laughs> but I love her so much. Yeah, so we met in my building and like... A year and a half later, we moved in together, and then we got married. What did you bring to the potluck? <sighs> Just a guitar. Just a guitar? <laughs> no, I brought. I think I brought uh, chips and dip, if I'm not mistaken. And, and what did Elizabeth bring? Just her fineness. Just her f- <laughs> Hey, she's going to hear this eventually. She didn't bring anything? <laughs> no, the cheap. No, I can't remember what she brought. Jeez. I wasn't concentrating on what she brought. No, fair enough. Just those eyes, baby. Fair enough. <laughs> now, um... You have this annual show, mm-hmm. Uncle Neil and Friends annual Toy Mountain show uh, at the Birchmount. Mm-hmm. Um, how did how did this all get started? Why don't you tell people you know how it got started, what inspired you, that sort of stuff? I'd been doing uh, charity shows for about ten years, everything from okay. uh, Canadian National Institute of the Blind, um, cancer awareness. I'd, I'd done many many shows. And the problem was, every time I did the show, I felt good while I was doing it. Yeah. Or singing or playing guitar or whatnot. But I left and I thought, who did I help? Where did the money go? Like, you know, what, what change was made? So I kept thinking to myself, I want to do something. But I it was just couldn't think of it. And mm-hmm. I was painting in a building in their garbage chute. And someone opened up an apartment building and they were talking about CTV's Toy Mountain. And on Toy Mountain, I thought, oh, that's the best thing to do is bring toys. You know, kids are going to be helped. Yeah. 
So with about two weeks before Christmas, I just called up a couple of musician friends that weren't in bands at the time. Yeah. Said, Why don't we put on a show and we'll get people to do like a sort of a food drive or a toy drive. Yeah. And in two weeks, we raised 350 toys. And it was like, wow, this was great. And then about eight months later, people were calling me saying, where's the next show? I was like, what do you mean where's the next show? Where It's going to be annual, right? Never thought of it. So we threw it together again. That year, we raised 850 toys. Yeah. So every year, it's kind of grown. Different musicians. We've gone went from just a few friends telling a few friends to having our website, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, we have a Santa Claus now. We have three face painters, cookie decorating. We have a station where the kids can play the Wii. Oh, God. We, our 50-50 giveaways last year, for example, we mm-hmm. had three baskets with about $800 worth of meal vouchers and stuff in them. Wow. Um, and last year, our count at the end of the year was 33,000 toys. So and we've come a long way from 350 to 33,000. Yeah, 000. from just a, thing, just a gig. So our, our total over, over the last 10 years has been 129,000 kids we've helped. You've done 10 shows? 10 years, yeah. Wow. That's amazing. And you know what? It, it's, it's really not because I've met people on the way, such as yourself, and I, I, I know it's just your show and whatnot, but people that just are good-hearted. You can mm-hmm. joke with everything that, and you can see right through there's no bullshit. Yeah. And everybody's got some good in them. And if they believe in something, there's not nothing someone won't do. Yeah. And I mean, when I first started doing it, I was having musicians that were like, I just want to be on a big stage. And there were people like, can I get myself on the news? And I had to drop sponsors because his logo has to be bigger than my logo or less than my logo on a poster. Yeah. And you wouldn't believe some of the stuff I've gone through. But along the way, you've met people like, I don't even want to be on the news. I don't care. Don't just don't even recognize me. Let me donate this. Yeah. Because people donate more than just their toys. Sure. Law McQuaid donates gear for the show. We got oh, amazing. people that set up drop boxes all over the city. We, we have, uh, you know, the barrels that uh, Salvation Army will use at a toy drive. Okay. It's like a, like a tub, like a wine barrel. We had uh, our first year, we had one of those and it filled up. I was like, this is a great idea. And then another company went from Herbal Magic having one. Last year, we had 46 barrels all as far as Brantford, Hamilton, all the way over to Oshawa, uh, Keswick, everywhere, Scarborough. Amazing. Yeah. So people people are looking for something to do. And if I was to say to them, here, give me some money. Yeah. First of all, nobody has money at Christmas time. I don't. Yeah. yeah. Um, second of all, where does my money go? Yeah. Prove it to me. Let me see where the numbers are. Yeah. Uh, but the third thing is, a kid's going to get a toy? Who doesn't want to help a kid? Yeah. We had trouble one year. I had to go speak at a, a school. And the school wanted to set up a, a collect from the home rooms so you can raise the most. Sure. And they said, come talk to the parents. And I went out there, and the whole auditorium was it was mostly Korean and Tamil mm-hmm. and, and Sikh. And I started talking, and I seen they weren't listening to me. At all. They were talking to each other. They had no interest in what I was saying. Sure. And I finally stopped. I said, can I have your attention just for a second? I said, look, whether you're Muslim, Christian, Jewish, whatever your belief is, Buddhist, every kid should have a toy. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's not Uncle Neil doing this Christian Catholic charity and they're only the ones every kid deserves a toy. And all of a sudden everybody was listening and that year I think that school raised almost six hundred toys. Amazing. Yeah. So people everybody's got good in them. Yeah. When they can see transparency with it. Yeah. So tell me you've you've got so I've been, I think I've been to a couple of shows. Um tell me about What like, do you mean you think you've won at two of I've them? Won at, <laughs> I've won at one of them. Karim won. They were fifty fifty draw. <laughs> Eighteen thousand dollars. <laughs> Um, tell me about the band. Uh, the Toy Mountain House Band? Yeah. Some of the guys I've played with over the years, it's it's the same as with the sponsors. There are some guys that get up there, and they're not a good fit. They get up, and they, they talk in adult language, and you get kids at the show. Mm. 
you know, how you assholes doing out here? Like, what are you doing? Or guys that get up there and this is their chance to say what they've wanted to say for a long time on the stage. Or yeah. So I've had a couple of meatheads over the years, and a lot of the times it's not the best musicians I've ever played with. Yeah. But their family. Yeah. I would rather get up on a stage with someone like yourself, who's a good friend of mine. Yeah. Um, get up on stage with a friend and look over, and if there's a mistake, we smile and we laugh it off. To me, that's my treat to myself because. Now it takes nine months to set up the show. Mm. Nine, at minimum, nine months to set up the show. And uh, you would think I'd enjoy the show. Honestly, I don't. It flies by like that. We're yeah. there at 7 o'clock in the morning. We leave at 7 o'clock at night. It's a very long day. But by the time I get on stage for those two hours, I blink and it's gone by. Yeah. But I do remember I've looked over at my buddy over there, Tony, on a harmonica. We've had a laugh. And, and you know, just it doesn't have to be the best musicians, though some of them are friggin' phenomenal. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and I've just accumulated these friends over the years. And people I want, I call them my family, the Toy Mountain family. You've always got these three students that come up and play horn or something like that? Um, last two years, we've had three students, uh, Lefty, Left Harris, uh, Francesca, and John. And they're from uh, Mark, my two left feet duo. He's a teacher, and they're from his school. Oh, okay. Earl Haig. So Lefty just won the Musician of the Year Award or something like that. These are some talented kids. And we usually throw them a couple of songs like I Feel Good by James Brown or 25 or 6 to 4 by yeah. Chicago. Learn the songs. We have one practice with them, and then they get up on the stage. Nice. And it's kind of throwing them under the bus, but they've, they learn so much from getting up for the first time playing in front of a crowd like that with rock and roll guys instead of a school band. Yeah. We've had other horn players before that, but they go, they move on to school. We got some different kids. Yeah. So it's giving kids a chance to help kids. Nice. And we're all big believers in that. So now that your son plays drums, is he? Uh... One plays drums, the other one's singing his his ass off, and he's he's dying for me to teach him guitar. Yeah. The only thing is, his hands right now are really too small for the guitar. So okay. Have patience, it's coming. <laughs> so I'm, I'm building my own little band. <laughs> are they Are they going to come on stage? Someday, yeah. Yeah. I well, Alex, my son has been on stage with me three times now. Yeah. Um, I picked him up on my shoulder, and he's wished everybody a Merry Christmas or something. Yeah. But he's going to have the confidence, no problem at all. Yeah. So I can't wait for those days. Nice. Pass the torch on. Nice, nice, nice. Um, to, uh, how how can people help if they uh, want to go help. to our website, yeah. UncleNeilToyMountain.com. dot com. Okay. Or uh, email me at UncleNeilToyMountain at gmail dot com. We're, we're looking for help in any way. Set up a Dropbox. Mm-hmm. Bring a toy. Come to the show. It's two hours out of the entire year to share the Christmas spirit for the help for a kid. We have all those activities at the event where kids can come watch music. we got superheroes. We've got Wolverine, Batman, yeah. Wonder Woman. Uh, we got a lady who's Wonder Woman who's got us five new sponsors this year. Amazing. Just an amazing lady. Her name's Elizabeth Headley. And she, the things she has done for this show only have met her once before. Yeah. And uh, so we got lots of things for the kids to do at the show as well. So give us suggestions. Someone might say, have you ever thought about having us uh, a Santa Claus? Oh, my God. Now we got a Santa Claus. Yeah. We got a photo booth there. Nice. Where you come and you get as many pictures as you want taken with your family. And then they send you home with prints of them free. Wow. And there's a guy. He doesn't have toys to give. Yeah. But he's got, you know, making people happy at our show. Yeah. So we're looking for people to bring toys. We're definitely in need of new sponsors. Yeah. Not that our old ones are going anywhere. But yeah. Things change over the years. You know, people in that line, you know, I'm the person that decides who gets the toys at such and such toy place, moves on yeah. or whatnot. So we're always looking for places to donate toys, Yeah, time, talent, any other resource. We'll take what anyone can offer. Nice, nice. Now, we, we're going to play a tune okay. later, but before we get to that, I, I got some sort of, some quick rapid fire. I'm taking too long? Sort of, <laughs> sort of questions. No, 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 this is good. This is good. Um 
Okay, so uh, I'm going to like, you know, it'll be like, you know, red or blue. What's your favorite color? That sort of stuff. Um, black. Uh, black. <laughs> Obviously. Rock and roll, right? Okay. It, it hides the weight. You ready? Shoot. Fear or revenge? Fear. Ferrari or lawnmower? Lawnmower. Neil Young or Neil Diamond? Neil Diamond. Oh, damn. <laughs> I said that on purpose for you. <laughs> Uh, lead guitar or bass? Lead guitar. Beatles or the Rolling Stones? Beatles. Be- that was quick. Very quick. Yeah. Um, I'm a Beatle maniac. Be- <laughs> nice. Um, what song you want to play? I was thinking about doing Bridge Over Troubled Water just because it's something not- nobody would expect from me. What would people expect from you? Wow! <laughs> hey! That kind of stuff. All right. Well, why don't we get set up and uh, you can uh, do uh, Paul Simon. Art Garfunkel. Proud. Oh, Art Garfunkel? Like one of the two. See, this is the problem. You listen to too much Neil Young. That's <laughs> At least I listen to Neil. People say all the time, do you ever you know, play a Neil Young song? I say, he never plays any of mine. I'm not playing any of his. Okay. All right, here we go. <laughs> here we go. This is uh, Neil Hayden uh, playing uh, Art Garfunkel's Bridge Over Troubled Water. When you're weary Feeling small When tears are in your eyes I will drive them
so much man <laughs> thank you that was awesome go to uncle neil toy and uh, see how you could uh, help out a great cause uh neil thank you so much thank you for having I me i appreciate it take care thank, thank you, you guys for joining us and we'll talk to you next week bye-bye thank you man You ever thought of doing that thing where <coughs> for a future podcast for yourself?